0: Welcome to Creative Responders In Conversation. I'm Scotia Mogovic, and this is the last instalment for the year in our monthly interview series, where we've been in hearing from people working on the front lines of the arts and emergency management sector. Next month, we'll be back with the new season of our Creative Responders documentary series, with four in-depth stories about the power of the arts in disaster management, we can't wait to share those with you. Stay subscribed to Creative Responders and follow us on social media for more updates on that. Today's guest is Vivian Davidson, and this is a really special episode that I'm so pleased to share with you all. Vivian reached out to me earlier this year to inquire about collaborating with Creative Recovery Network on our Love Box project. You'll hear all about it in our chat. Vivian's story is all about community connection and the power of thoughtful gestures of solidarity. Vivian's commitment to reaching out to bushfire-affected members of her community, to let them know they had not been forgotten, is really extraordinary. And I loved hearing about their dedicated team of knitters and weavers who worked throughout the COVID lockdown, and also some of the really heartfelt feedback that came in from the recipients of the Love Boxes. We also hear about Vivian's upcoming plans to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Currawan Fire and how she continues to use creativity as a vehicle to share, focus and connect. I hope you enjoy this conversation with creative responder Vivian Davidson. So thank you, Vivian, for joining us on our In Conversation series. I'm speaking to you from Yagara, Tuwabra country here in Meenjin, Brisbane, in Queensland. Can you tell us a little bit about where you live, Vivian? How long you've been in the area and the property you and your husband live on?
1: Yeah, we live on the south coast of New South Wales in the Shoalhaven region. And we have a small acreage up in the hills behind the coastal resort town of Ulladulla. We have... um, It's part of a subdivision off an old farm um, and it has a bit of remnant bush, a small creek and a wonderful view of Pigeon House Mountain. We are the classic baby boomer tree changers. (laughs) We ran away from the city in 2009... And I've always wanted to live close to nature, it's always been important to me and so we spent all this time building the property up, the gardens and trying to restore it to something that would make really good habitat for all the local flora and fauna. I'm particularly fond of birds and we have all the birds come out of Morton National Park which is very nearby and come and visit us so... We've learnt an awful lot about growing natives and um, supporting the fauna and flora.
0: Mm, it Sounds like a paradise. <laughs> Our visitors <laughs> think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that the whole uh, South Coast region was significantly affected by the bushfires that came through the area last summer over Christmas/New Year period. It's a pretty traumatic um, time. What was it like for you and your community during that time?
1: Um, I guess it would have to be the most devastating thing that our communities ever experienced, both at the personal level, the ecological level, and, and again, e- economically. Um, we were harassed by the Currawan fire, which became a massive fire. It started in, in late November, about 11 kilometres from our place. It then spread over, over two months um right across the Shoalhaven area, burning out 500,000 hectares
0: of countryside. It's extraordinary when you have it in numbers like that, isn't it? Absolutely. We, we were just
1: sort of in shock, but we were also stressed because it really did feel like this monster was stalking us continually. The fire directly threatened our property on three separate occasions – one in the first few days because it had started fairly close, the second time just before Christmas when the fire actually did reach our property and burnt part of the bush and burnt a lot of uh, areas around us. But the thing that kind of saved us then was that they had, it was the southerly change that blew it up onto our property and that meant it was a cooler burn. So the tree canopies around us were intact and that actually is what helped save our particular animals as well as making it easier for our our buildings. So in the collection of houses at the part of the street where I live, we all did survive with our properties and buildings intact even though there were partial burns all around us. And then the fire kept raging through the district and then on... New Year's Eve, um, when it was particularly hot with westerly winds, it came back and took out so many more of the coastal villages, including Conjola, where a, more than 100 houses were, were burnt down in the most horrific fire that went right through the canopy and left nothing but sort of bare tree trunks. Um, and four days later, it came back up um, from the coast, up this ridgeline to where we are, um, again, it came brought by the southerly change. It, it was really frightening then because the it was a firestorm. It, the wind turned into a whirlwind, and it was spewing fire and branches all around the place. The so spot fires were opening up. Um, the uh, the road was became impassable. We couldn't drive out. It was far too dangerous. Um, but again, because It was a southerly change, the spot fires were able to be put out and our neighbourhood again survived. So we personally have an awful lot to be thankful for but two kilometres away, that's when some of our neighbours again lost their houses on the third wave of of fire front Um, and they, they really suffered severely and lost their homes. Um, the next morning when we went out we couldn't were able to get back into town, but we couldn't go and visit people nearby because the 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 roads were blocked, and we didn't really have any idea how they were getting on
0: hmm. It's amazing, isn't it that I think the just the longevity of the fire process um, this season was so extraordinarily wearing on people not uh, not just the impact that you you experience from the burn but the con- continuation of that over such a long period of time
1: yeah i think we were all very stressed um i think that was the hardest thing keep thinking when will it end how many times do i need to pack up um that we camped even away from the property during the worst weeks um and you know we didn't sleep uh, at, at the property. We would go away in the evenings. Everybody was stressed. We would, you know, obsessively look at the um, real fire service app to see what the fire was up to next. Um, and the smoke, you know, we couldn't see the mountain for a month at a time because of the smoke. So yes, we were. We were. I think the whole community was quite exhausted. So, and the fire mm. didn't get extinguished till about February the eighth. So.
0: Mm. Was a long season. Mm. Well, it's interesting thinking into the future. You know, they talk about um, the impact of high performance activity, and that's really what that is. You're in a kind of a high state of activated performance, mm. psychologically mm. and physically and emotionally. You know, how do we how do we maintain that? And if this is going to become regular, that's a huge pressure that we're all going to have to to uh, manage into the future, isn't it, this idea of cascading impact? I think it
1: is. I think there needs to be a lot more thinking done about the fact that this isn't going to be the only time this kind of thing happens. Um, and to be quite honest, those of us who've been through this one are thankful that this summer isn't looking as bad because I don't think any of us really are really ready yet to go through that all over again and have months of sort of the anxiety of of
0: living with something like that again. Mm, No, everyone is is exhausted with COVID. Um, On top hasn't helped that at all. So, you know, we have to be thinking about how do we offer nurture. And in some way that's how I came to know you, Vivian, in the months uh, following the bushfire. You reached out to us about our Love Box project, which is very much about trying to offer small ways to nurture ourselves um you and your friends at the moora spinners and weavers group um, had some thoughts about reaching out to those in your community who had been affected can you tell me how the project came about and and describe the process of how you got your team of creators on board yeah sure look um my background is
1: as a professional um psychotherapist I was a social worker who did extra training in in psychotherapy and I was actually a trauma therapist while I worked in Sydney I had a private practice I closed that down when I moved down here so I'm I'm very much into retirement but of course all that part of me just clicked on uh in this fire season and I was sort of my head was spinning with all these different thoughts about how can we help each other as a community just get through all of this including all the aftermath and because I have um, developed some artistic uh, interests and involvement too I was also thinking about creativity and art and how that figures so I was sending off letters to the ca- the council uh, community development officers saying oh what we could do this and that and the other but I also had spoke to another friend um who's a textile artist and also a practising therapist. And she did a a bit of Googling when I asked her about art therapists and she came up with um, Creative Recovery Network. So I looked on your website and read the the, uh, section about the love boxes, and I thought, oh, this is a brilliant idea. One of the things that I guess really impressed me about the concept is that even though I've dealt with trauma at the professional end, one of the things that I I really know and very convinced of is how much caring community can really make a difference to people's ability to recover from trauma and disaster. So to me, it's vitally important that the community be able to find ways to express its support and connection to people who've lost an awful lot in the fires. So I thought the Love Boxes would be an excellent way to mobilise people in the community to be able to do that. And there were several things, I guess, in my mind that were important to me about the Love Box project, was that it was an opportunity to in, involve people using their creativity. I belonged to the murmuring Spinners and Weavers group, and even though there are a lot of them are really quite elderly women, they're very talented spinners and knitters and felters and dyers. And there's a potter and um, a watercolour artist all amongst this same group of women. And so I brought the idea to them um, and I said, look, during the crisis um, there was a torrent of second-hand goods and foodstuffs arriving in the district. And it became a bit of a problem, particularly some of the poorer quality stuff. And I said, I wanted us to be able to make things that are handmade and special and some things that are worth treasuring so that we could actually show people that we actually respect and care for them by giving something that is worth keeping, um, that has some value to it and, and that it expresses our love. So they all came up uh, aboard with the idea and they, we agreed that perhaps we could try to make 50 boxes, which really was only um, part, when you think there were over 300 houses lost in the whole district, um, it's not a lot, but that was quite a sizeable amount for a, a bunch of um, elderly women to, to put together. So we uh, so we agreed to do that. Some of us did the dyeing, others, we had bought um, merino yarn from Bendigo Woolen Mills, lovely um, undyed pure merino, and we went to work and we dyed it all up. We got hold of raw silk and habitized silk, and we put together people who could do shibori dyeing or eco dyeing. Um, And we got some beautiful scarves happening. And we also felt that it was important to involve some of the local um, businesses because um, they were also suffering not only because of COVID but because the whole tourist season had come to a halt because of the bushfires and all the tourists were evacuated and sent home and told not to come back until the fires were over. So rather than actually ask people, to donate what we did was we managed to get hold of a government grant specifically for community groups to use in bushfire recovery and that was able to fund our project and we were able to pay the local soap maker to make soap for us it paid for the um, chocolate factory to make chocolates to go in the boxes and it allowed us to buy coffee vouchers from the the cafes around to be able to put in there as well. So, um, that's how the
0: idea came together. Mm. So beautiful, and so many, so rich with the layers of of connection and support that come through that. Yes,
1: it really was
0: something that
1: we could um,
0: draw on from different
1: people across the community.
0: So, mm. and I think it's um I think it's really interesting that we talk about showing respect and care to people through offerings of beauty and connection. Um, And I think often donations are are kind of random without much sort of thought about the people who are receiving them. And this shows kind of deep thinking.
1: Yeah, I I think that, as I said, we we saw the sort of the worst of, (laughs) um, yeah, as you said, sort of random giving to to something. And, And Um, We did as the project suggested that we wrote, we hand wrote inside cards that were handmade with watercolours from our Watercolour Artist of Nature Scenes and we wrote to the recipients and we said to them, look, we know um, and understand um, how isolated you've been over the past few months. We haven't forgotten you. We want to know that we're trying to express our concern and support for you as you continue the process of building your lives and one of the things I guess was in my mind when I started the project it was deliberately timed for winter because I knew that in the immediate crisis time when all the community services the mental health the government services were all frantically busy helping people just survive the initial um, disaster I knew that all that would eventually evaporate and people would be left to keep struggling on by themselves and usually winter um, and full of all the delays of trying to clear their blocks and get going again I knew winter would be a particularly difficult time for people mm, so, a layer of cold and dark cold and dark and, and loneliness mm. and goodness knows whether they still had any, had any decent heating in whatever they were living in and um, So for me it was quite strategic that we planned the gift boxes to be distributed at the beginning of winter Um, and that turned out to be um, a very important thing to do. Um, So we had several months to get it all together. And then, of course, COVID hit, which made things kind of Yeah, so
0: um, all of this work was happening with the lockdown. So many... um of the knitters you were doing, that you had kind of bought on board, all of your co-collaborators were in their own homes, in their own little bubbles. Did you get any feedback from them about this and what they got, what the layer of the project added for them in this time? Yes, I did. I, I Quite a few of them. We, we went, not only
1: recruited, because we ma- ended up making actually 75 beanies, <laughs> mm-hmm. we recruited recruited other knitting groups in the community, the knitting groups um, attached to some of the churches and the the shop in town, the wool shop. Um, And so there was a whole army really of elderly ladies, some of whom were in retirement villages and what have you, who were often very isolated because, again, the emphasis was making sure that old people didn't get COVID. So uh, we actually were giving them something quite meaningful to do and a lot of them would, you know, do 10 beanies or so um, knit for us. So what the more able of us did was we'd parcel up some balls of yarn and ring people up and say, we're going to drop it at your gate at a certain day. And they would pick it, come out and pick it up sometime. And then we'd come back and pick it up from their front gate two weeks later. And, And some of them just really said they appreciated the opportunity to to contribute in spite of the fact that they were so isolated. So it really was great for all of us doing it. Some of us learnt new dyeing techniques. Some of us just had the chance to do something creative um, during a difficult time of lockdown. So I, I think those of us who got involved were really just got the benefit of doing of it
0: as well as the recipients.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, the participatory process is is generative unto itself, isn't it? Mm, yeah, mm. definitely. So once you got all of the items together, how did you organise the distribution of the boxes? Who, who did they go out to? Like was there a process that you had around that? Yeah, there was two, two aspects. First that we sat down
1: between us and figured out how many people that we knew as within our group um, who had lost their homes and we came up with quite a few um, names and families and so we were able to parcel up boxes and because we knew them, some of them we, we could sort of try to guess what kind of colours they might like. Um, and we did that and put names on them and then we had one or two of us would go around and drop them off to the various destinations. Um, and then we had about at least... 20 of the 50 boxes that for people who we didn't personally know, but we knew that the the ongoing mental health team um, for the bushfire recovery would be making contact if they hadn't already. So we said to them, would you be interested in distributing the rest of the boxes for us? Um, And so in conjunction with the conjola recovery group, because I guess the community at Conjola really had the worst and biggest number of people who, with losses, um, they got together and they came up with um, people that we could. they could deliver the boxes to. So it, in that way, we not only covered the people that we knew, we also made sure that um, we're also covering people for whom it would be very emotionally significant because... The um, the mental health services were aware of you know the extent of losses and and trauma for some of these families.
0: Mm. Well, the one year anniversary of the fires is is coming up, and you've now turned your head to another creative project, Vivian. It's a little bit bigger in scope than the love boxes, but uh, can you tell me about what you've planned to commemorate the anniversary? Yes, um, it is. I'm planning what
1: a community recovery art exhibition and I'm timing it for um, the first week in January, which is really the anniversary of the worst of the fires in this district. Um, I guess what went on for me was that since the fires, I've been doing my own artwork, my, in a sense, my own recovery process. I've been commemorating some of the burnt um trees and branches and and leaves even from off my own property and and around about me and combining them with some of my felting to make artwork about that and I've also been doing other um sculptural felting so I've gone through my own process of using art to express my own reactions to what's happened Um, and I spoke to some other artists, who friends who've been doing similar. But I'm also aware that we were dealing with our own, I guess what you'd call eco-grief. But there are other people around in the community who were really um, struggling with that hugely, those who are ch- have chosen to live here because the bush is really important to them, both within the Indigenous community and amongst a lot of other nature lovers and and nature groups Um, and because I'm connected in with those I thought that I wanted to do three things if possible in this art exhibition one I wanted to find artists who've experienced the bushfire season and could tell their own story in an artist statement as well as contribute artwork or maybe nature photography to the exhibition that um I would recruit things like BirdLife Australia, the local branch, the local branch of wildlife rescue and maybe the land care services to do an educative component that we can integrate into the exhibition around what's happened to um, the fauna, the flora, um, the birds, um, because there's been so much interest now. I guess when it takes a disaster for people to realise how much they actually value Um, the bush habitat, and how devastated they were at the loss
0: of all the birds and animals. Mm. And and the concern... That's a really really beautiful outcome, isn't it? Unexpected, but... um, It is, yes. Long, long um, reaching finger in terms of the broader care for country.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And and I think that that finally we're realising that the Australian bush is human habitat it's not just there for for birds animal people don't notice we're suddenly realizing that we need the habitat as much as but we also need them and really what's the point of living in a beautiful place down here if there's nothing around us mm. um, so people have so people are far more awake now to that so basically what we're trying to do is is and this come on that interest and keep encouraging that but also look at the resilience in nature look at the recovery and the incredible regeneration happening and document that and help that inspire us as humans as we struggle with trying to recover so there's a kind of a two-way thing we look and want to respect and support the recovery in nature but nature is also helping us in our recovery um, and inspiring us and and giving us something, in a sense, to work towards, which is mutual survival in the future, I guess. Mm, such beautiful poetics
0: in that, Vivian. Mm.
1: And in addition to that, I guess the there's also, to build on that as well, I wanted to have interactive workshops using art therapists and children's workers so we'd have some Workshops for adults and some for children. Again, linking into the nature theme, you may be using natural um, objects and things to make or using clay um, and giving people an opportunity to have a hands on, a creative experience. Um, And because the mental health services have been saying, you know, we've got the anniversary coming up, we need to be able to. Sort of tap into what's going to go on for people emotionally. Lifeline has actually come to support and fund this project that I've been sort of developing um, and provide a lot of the publicity backup for me as well as help me have trained volunteers because my idea is that while the exhibition is on, it will be on for about a week. We'll have people who can just be present at the exhibition who are trained kind of listeners who will allow people to talk about their story as they look at what's on the walls around them and react to that, saying, oh, yeah, that's like what happened or, yes, that means something to me or what have you. So, again, allowing people another opportunity in um, this anniversary time to talk again about well what's what happened and what it's what it's like for them now, and and give them an opportunity to feel like maybe somewhat even more empowered to keep going on. That we're all connected in with this. We all feel the same way. We've all struggled over what's happened, and we can all keep supporting each other into the future, and work together for nature's regeneration
0: yeah and such an important um, aspect of bringing in and creating collaboration across the different services yes acknowledging the place and the need for those um, sharing sharing of that space
1: yeah so we're re- I'm really really hoping to connect so much of the community together and even just putting this on if we can
0: get our act together and get it done <laughs> <laughs> and it's been held in what was the uh, the evacuation centre yes, at the time. Yes, exactly. Isn't
1: it? It's it's <laughs> very strategic. Um, it may not be the world's best gallery space, but I decided emotionally it's probably the most appropriate place. So it's the civic centre, the council civic centre, which is right at the harbour. It was where the evacuation centre was on, and the evacuation centre then became the recovery centre, where all the government departments were there for people. for for several months there. So it's a place people already know that was at the hub of support and we're using Lifeline and Red Cross and Anglicare people again to be available. So it'll be familiar faces that people may have even spoken to and even tourists coming through if they're coming back again. um, We think of the tourists who got stuck here and and had to camp at the evacuation centre and how traumatised they
0: were and we may even have a chance to connect with some of those people again. Mm, I think that's one of the missing links, isn't it? Because recovery efforts are generally very place-based, but we don't necessarily travel those, with those people who were there for, which was uh, you know, a life-changing experience and then left and they didn't have that no. uh, linked relationship to the healing of the community around them.
1: Yes that's right so I think they may have missed out so we would again mm. hopefully find a, um, a way that they can feel connected in and because it's so central and easy to find um, yeah it should mm. it should um, provide something for them as well
0: so what do you think it is uh, about the arts Vivian that um, that supports people whether it's knitting or weaving or exhibitions or other sort of creative engagement what do you think that is key to that work that's supportive of a recovery process
1: i think there's two things one it it take it it extends your you um and gives you something else that you become in the creative process Um, that can take you out of the often somewhat depressed or um, that sense of lostness into something new that's being created, Um, if you can understand what I'm trying to say. So Mm. instead of... And I've watched people who have creative outlets compared to people who who don't. And people with creative outlets are able to fill in and find a way to focus in something that they can feel good about. And the other thing is that artwork and and creative things are usually meant to be shared, whether it's music or poetry or visual arts. There will always be some kind of audience, which means there's a connection and there's often a resonance between the person who's made the art object and the person who's looking at it or receiving it. And, and that's one of the wonderful things, I guess, is that connection or that shared thing that you can identify with or the, the person looking at your art can I also identify with. Um, for example, I'm, I've made a felted um, sculpture of, of a tree um, or part of the tree um, on our property. It, it was completely burnt on the outside uh, is a, quite a big mature tree and it had a bit of a hollow on the inside and it burnt, the fire burnt inside that tree for two weeks after the rest of the fire was extinguished. And yet that tree um, is still alive, st- never stopped producing leaves and it's kind of like it's had its heart burned out but it's still going. It was so extraordinary, I just had to felt it. <laughs> And so I felt it after the black outside and, 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 and the fiery red on the inside. Um, and I guess it I wanted to honour that. And I wanted to be inspired by that and I want to share that with other people who would have seen the similar phenomenon and thought about, well, you know, what's it saying? So it's it's I guess it's those messages that we, we can transfer as well as that, as well as have something that that, as I said, extends who we are. We've become someone who can produce something that is um, perhaps worth treasuring.
0: Mm, beautiful. So you um, you got some feedback from the love boxes, Vivian? Would Would you care to read some of the messages that you receive back from your community? Yes, I'm happy to do that. Um, look, we were kind of amazed at
1: the feedback I guess really we underestimated how much people were touched by these how significant it was for them to receive something from their own community this way so I'll just read you some of these um, responses that kind of blew us away Um, the first one thank you all for the beautiful love box upon receiving and opening the box early one evening I was in awe at what was inside I picked out each item and felt so much love through everything I touched. All the gifts were so beautifully made and donated to us, fire victims. I have contacted those who supplied email addresses for personal thank yous and thank you again as a group. I wear the beanie most days and I did run into Julie who knitted the beanie and somehow she knew green is my colour. The silk scarf hangs over a lounge room cushion to admire when I'm not wearing it. The very fragile teabag leaf sits on the windowsill ready for its job. And well, the simply delicious chocolate did not last long. Kelly's soap is only used in the bath so I can soak up the natural blends and Belinda's bookmark is where it belongs lovingly. Gumbowa, the koala, is alongside my collection of native animal magnets. Diane's stunning painted card is always on display. And the green harvest seeds will be spread lovingly on our land very soon and when I have my coffee from Empower, I will think of you all. My empty love box will be used for a special purpose. I will never forget the feelings that came over that me that night. My heart was full. Very grateful to each and every one of you. And another one. Hello all. It's some time now since I received the love box. I want to thank you all for contributing to it. It's a wonderful gift and the love and support it represents is particularly appreciated. I thought you might like to know how we are managing since the fire took our house in Little Forest. Our house was on a hectare of land. A distant friend gave us the use of their house in Mollymook as soon as they heard of our plight. I've enjoyed living here, going to the beach, looking out the window at at fully healthy unburnt trees. My husband was keen from the start to go back and convert our surviving garage into a place of residence. We needed a small shed to be erected first to house the workshop equipment that was in the garage. That took some time, but fairly soon he was out there together with some friends and often on his own lining and insulating the garage, building and installing a bathroom in the space, installing a kitchen, a fire heater and so on. In a couple of weeks we should be able to move back out there. I was at first reluctant to go back out to the place, but eventually the call of the trees was hard to ignore. There was a patch of scrub on the land which was quite densely vegetated and I didn't venture in there much. Well, the fire cleared a lot of that away and new leaves and branches were beginning to grow back in place of what was just burnt sticks a few months ago and also lots of plants that were taking advantage of the increased sunlight with the reduced upper canopy. Banksia, lobelia. I decided to influence the regeneration of that patch such that small flowering plants can survive in there to benefit birds and insects and other wildlife. I've been on a steep learning curve about what has to be done to achieve this and how to go about doing it. Assistance from friends has been appreciated. I enjoy working in that patch now. Well, that's our story so far. We are in good spirits. The amazing community support certainly helps. Thank you all again. And another one here. Dear all at Murramurang Spinners and Weavers, I'm writing to thank you for your generosity in giving us a love box after the recent fires. We were overwhelmed by the gesture and most grateful for the lovely array of gifts in the box made by local artists. All would be put to good use by us, beanies and a scarf against the cold, chocolates to warm our hearts, seeds for the future and lovely specially handmade items to brighten our lives. One of the bright spots after the bushfires for us has been the care and support that we've received from the local community and we've very much appreciated this. It has been so important to us as we've come to terms with the aftermath of the fires and start rebuilding our lives. Thank you so very much for your thoughtfulness and care. It is very much appreciated by us all. And... I also have someone who was able to put their response in verse. So here's a little poem. To the spinners and weavers. Your love box gifts are quite a treat. The chocolate heart, so yum to eat. I love the scarf and beanie too. And tea leaf bag for morning brew. Soap smells gorgeous. Artwork great. will frame the picture and can't wait. Your thoughts and words are very kind. We will always keep them in our mind. Thank you all for what you do. Your hearts are generous, special too.
0: Pretty amazing, Mm. eh? (laughs) Pretty amazing. How gorgeous. And what a warm, warm sense um, of love coming back to you all for such generosity and beauty.
1: Yes, it was. And Mm. we certainly had a great sense of satisfaction that we were able to do our one small thing to... To just relieve some of the uh, stress in our community.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories, Vivian. It's um, it certainly evokes a very rich connection, and um, you know the work continues. And we hope that we can continue to support you in any way that we can. And I think um, the work you're doing is pretty extraordinary. So thank you uh, for sharing those stories with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me for Creative Responders in Conversation. And special thanks to Vivian for taking the time to speak with me. If you would like to be involved in the Love Box project, you can in many ways. Send in beautiful ideas, things to add into boxes, supporting the postage, or as Vivian has... Coordinate the development of your own group to gather materials to build your own individualised boxes. You can find more details on our webpage at creativerecovery.net.au under the Key Project section, and we'd love to hear from you. This podcast is produced by me, Scotia Mokovic, and my Creative Recovery Network colleague, Jill Robson. Our sound engineer is Tiffany Demack and original music is composed by Mikey Squire. Special thanks to Jessa Callahan and the team at Audiocraft. The Creative Recovery Network is assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. Thanks for listening.